Bags down, spikes on. Welcome to the track. My name is Colin Waitzman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And this is definitely a really exciting uh, episode that we have going on for our interview series. I believe this is our third or fourth hurdler. So we're, we're continuing on our, our hurdling trend. But we have uh, with us today, he is a two-time uh, national champion, the track and field athlete of the year, multiple times uh, award winner, All-American. Uh, we have Trevor Bassett. Trevor, thank you for, for joining us today, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem, dude. No problem. Well, uh, wanted to to get started kind of with where where you ended up starting uh, with track. Like, how was it that you ended up starting to run and you know finding the hurdles as being you know your go to event? So I started track uh, in middle school. The first year we could do it where I'm from, and uh, I just started doing because I really like basketball. There's nothing to do in the spring, and my family's a track family. My older sister was a multi, my oldest sister was a multi. My other older sister was a hurdler. My brother was a high jumper. So they all, we all did track. My parents did track in high school. So it was just something that everyone in the family did. So I figured I'd try it. Um, they put me into hurdles. I initially signed up to be mid distance, like 800 type. And mm. goodness, that didn't work out. But <laughs> they ended up putting me in the hurdles because I think it's a direct quote from the coach at the time they think I had the best chance to do it without hurting myself. And I was not good at all. I get the Facebook memory popping up every year of my middle school PR in the 110 hurdles was I think 22.9. And then my PR in the 200 meter hurdles was like 36.9. Oh man. (laughs) But yeah, that's, that's how I started off with track was in middle school. Yeah, it's got to be weird when you're you look back at it and you're like, dang, I can my workouts in 200 meters are significantly faster than when I was doing at the 110. (laughs) Yeah, I almost matched my 200 hurdle PR with my 300 hurdle time by the time I graduated high school. So good to know I had some improvement over the next couple of years. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean. So then what was it that made you want to continue focusing on hurdles? I mean, going, starting at a 20, a 22 second, you know, hurdle, what made you be like, you know what, let's keep, let's keep doing this, especially when the hurdles, you know, get higher and makes it, you know, even more difficult. So I almost quit track because I was so bad at it. And my parents told me, they said, Hey, do your freshman year of high school, Like you've gone a little bit taller, you've matured a little bit more. So like, and then if you still don't like it, then you can quit. And I did it and I saw a pretty good improvement. Not anything crazy. I was still like a 16, five, 110 hurdler. So for a freshman, it's not awful, but it wasn't anything crazy. The main reason I gravitated towards the hurdles and stayed with it more was because you couldn't be a good hurdler and be lazy. So there are people who are just naturally really fast and naturally good at the hundred naturally good at the 200, naturally good at the 400. But I knew that for the most part, when it came to high school hurdling, especially in my area, Northwest Ohio, small, gritty farm area, was that if you wanted to be a good hurdler, you had to really work hard at it. And I've been confident in my work ethic and my ability to outwork people. So 
that's why I really liked the hurdles and really stuck with it more throughout middle school and high school and now college. Awesome. I mean, coming coming from uh, Ohio, earlier on we had a, a guest, Chad Zallo. I think he's also from Ohio. Did you guys yeah, ever? I know, I know Chad. Yeah, did you guys ever compete against each other in high school? Um, you know, going going <laughs> or was that uh, you know didn't see each other too often? So yeah, I raced Chad one time in high school, and I doubt he remembers it because he was him and I was me at that point. <laughs> um, my sophomore year at the state track meet was my first year ever making state. I was a 15-1 guy, and it was his senior year, so I'm sure he was 13 mid to high, so I don't really remember. And we were in the same prelim heat. I was out in lane eight, and he was in four, obviously. And, I mean, the results were what happens when you put a 13 mid <laughs> in his senior year with a 15-1 guy his sophomore year. So, But, yeah, I do remember that was the first time I raced Chad, and, yeah, I know him pretty well. Yeah, it seems like there Ohio's got a lot of, you know, a lot of great um hurdlers coming out and just a lot of great yeah. competition. Um for for you, when was it that you decided, you know, you really wanted to kind of start taking this seriously and going from a, you know, something to do after school and, you know, being, you know, doing basketball in the winter to then maybe, you know, getting into that indoor track? When did you start taking it more seriously and, you know, really focusing on on running? It was definitely after that state meet my sophomore year. Because in that race with Chad, I didn't run well for me. I had, I think I ran a half second slower than my PR time at the time. And I just felt like I had really, I really underperformed. I really disappointed myself. And at that point, I realized, A, that I was good enough to compete at the state meet as a sophomore. And I knew what that could turn into. And then at that point, I realized that I just loved competing, even racing great people and losing, I still enjoyed competing at that high level because I knew it made me better. So after I gave me that taste of high level hurdling and high level competition really made me want it more. Mm -hmm. Where, um, I know for me, it was a similar thing where I, I actually, it was so my, my freshman year, like we had like the, so I was a pole vaulter back in, back in the day when I still competed and there was a, I, I would, they had the entry practice or like whatever you call it like where it's like 30 kids like trying out to vault yeah. and I was like the only kid that did it and like didn't die <laughs> and, and like uh, one of the, the coaches like yeah like I mean you have some potential and then so went from you know jumping eight feet my freshman year which most girls were jumping higher than me at that time to then 12 feet you know my next year and then 14 the other and so it was just like yeah. okay yeah I got some got some talent like let's you know let's see what we can let's see what we can do and, and you know continue on yeah just felt right mm -hmm. yeah I mean for you uh what went into going to to Ashland because um I know that I, I think we might have been at a, a few meets together. I think I've seen one of your one of the guys that was a pole vaulter I think like at Akron or like once or twice um oh. Of what made you want to go there? Because I know it's a Division two school, and people just think. I actually had a, an episode on why you don't actually need to go Division one. Uh, check that mm -hmm. out if you're listening. Uh, and saying how you don't have to, but for people that are outside the sport, they hear, "Oh, you're going to be a Division two track athlete." The stereotype, "Oh, you're probably not that good." Yeah. Uh, when I obviously it's not the case. So could you kind of tell us what went into your mind of deciding to go to the school that you're going now? Yeah, so I was not very heavily recruited by really big schools out of high school. I think my senior year, I was a 14-20 guy, 37-9 in the 300 hurdles. 
22-2 in the 200, 11-1 in the 100. So, like, not bad numbers, but not like Florida wasn't knocking on my door or anything. <laughs> yeah. I had a coach, he reached out to some bigger D1 schools. He reached out to, like, the two I remember was Clemson and Virginia. They were the only ones that responded. They said they wanted me to be a multi, which I considered, but I was terrified of pole vault. Still am. Understandably, so. yeah. <laughs> so I didn't end up doing that. The three schools that I talked with the most were obviously Ashland, uh, Grand Valley State, and Miami of Ohio. At the time, Miami of Ohio either didn't have an indoor team or was really new, so I didn't like that. And I just felt like Ashland. I knew Coach Clark pretty well, and I knew they were one of the best teams in Division II. I knew they gave me a great chance to win a national championship as a team and as an individual because I knew I was training with, even though it's Division II, I was still training with some of the best people in America with Miles Pringle, and at the time, Arthur Greenlee was a national qualifier in the hurdles. So I just knew that th that team, with the culture they had established with uh, head coach Judd Logan and Coach Clark coming in as a sprints coach a couple years earlier, was that they would really help grow grow the program and help develop me into being the sprinter I am now. Yeah, I, I know you mentioned um, you know beforehand that Miles Pringle was a huge you know I think when, in one of the the sheets that I mentioned that he was a you know pretty big influence on you. And could you kind of go into like what ways he helped you uh, develop as as an athlete and you know get to where you are today? Yeah, I mean Miles Miles set the bar, especially when it comes to the four hundred and the two hundred. I mean, me coming into college, I had never ran an open four hundred in my life, and. I was there when he broke the division two indoor record in the 400 and people would ask me all the time about Miles. Like, is he just like naturally athletic? And I'd always tell him, no, he's one of the hardest working people we have on the team. So to see him come in and work hard every day, it really helped show me what I had to do to even hope of being on that level and being on the four by four with him as a freshman, he just helped me and all the other people on the relay help us like stay calm, help show us what we need to do and help us be confident going into every race. Yeah. I, I know recently, especially this, this year, you've really starting to, to break out having some pretty stellar performances at the American track league just recently with uh, well, I think yeah, setting the, I believe in division two national record. And also yeah. it was at the time, the number one, time in the 400 across all divisions so it didn't matter yeah. whether it was Clemson Florida Ashland whatever number one all across the board like where if you were to go back and back in time you have a time machine and you can tell Trevor freshman walking onto Ashland's campus first day hey want to let you know you're gonna set the national record in division two oh yeah and it's also gonna be the fastest time in the entire country at the time what would do you would you believe it would your, your freshman self believe that? Honestly, I'd believe it until you told me it was the 400. <laughs> yeah, no. I was like, 110 hurdles, 60 hurdles, maybe. But yeah, I mean, like I told you, I never ran the open 400 in high school. I didn't run an open 400 until my sophomore year of college, and I ran it one time. Then junior year, I ran it twice. And then this year, I ran it. So technically speaking, that was the fourth open 400 of my career. Now I've run tons of four by fours, handful of 400 hurdle races, but actual open 400s, that was my fourth or fifth one ever. So yeah, I definitely would not have, I'd have probably laughed at you or just said, I appreciate that you have the confidence in me, but I don't know about that one. 
you, you've mentioned multiple times, you know, that your hard work and, and the stuff that you're putting on probably when, you know, no one's, no one's watching, not at the meets or what's helping you really, you know, get to, you know, where you are today. Could you kind of shed a light on maybe some of those, those workouts that you guys are, are doing or some of those extra things that you're putting in that people don't see because they, they see you line up on the line, you know, run your time and that's it. But what are some of those things that you're doing that, you know, people might not know about that's helping you, you know, get to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, our head coach, Judd Logan's always said champions are made when nobody's watching. Championships are won when everyone's watching. So you have to put in that work when nobody's there. I said immediately when this quarantine started and everything got canceled, I, I probably find on my social media at some point I put, this is really going to show the people who are really about it, who are really about this hard work, this track and field, this workout life, because we had the longest off season in history. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're seeing some crazy times from, from not just me, but also if you look at the D1 level from Trey Cunningham, Matt Bowling, Bryce Dedman, and all of them, because those are people who are really about it. They took that extra time during quarantine. Instead of sulking and complaining about it, they really, they got in the weight room. They got on the track. They took time to recover, and now they're just reaping the benefits of all the hard work they put in. We've always preached hard work here at Ashland. We don't have the nicest facilities our indoor tracks, a 147 meter bank track built in the 1960s. The curves are wooden with just a thin layer of track over it, but it doesn't matter because we have a culture of hard work, clock in day in, day out, grit and spit. And we're just going to work hard and get after and show up on meet day. And we're going to run hard. Yeah. And, and I think you guys are really showing that recently. I mean, you've had some pretty stellar performances, not only yourself, but many of your teammates. I mean, you've mentioned that, you know, one of the goal is to have not just an individual title, but a team title as well. I mean, what are um, like, how have your teammates, obviously um, you're in a position to win a national title as a team. So it's got to have been positive, but how did your teammates take the quarantine where, you guys are going into what was a championship season indoors. I don't know if you had the nationals yet, but could you kind of say like how your team has done, um, you know, maybe off the track or during the quarantine on the track to develop, to be, you know, going for, you know, the short sprint to the, the national championship. Yeah. I think our team's done a great job. And like you said, you can see it in our results. I think especially from the people in my class, the seniors, I know we did a good job of holding ourselves accountable over quarantine, being in constant contact, making sure we're doing workouts, sharing workouts with people, and just really holding each other accountable, letting people know that, hey, we're working hard. Because if you know your teammates are working hard, it's going to make you want to work hard too. And then our coaches just constantly being supportive. We were able to reach out to them whenever we needed. So just being able to have that support group around you, which is part of the reason why I chose Ashland, is because since it's a D2 smaller school, we have a much closer, much tighter knit family of a sprint crew and as an overall team than some of the bigger schools might. So we were really just able to hold each other accountable. Yeah, for me, so I, it's, it was a similar situation. So I, I went to a really small school as well, Mount St. Mary's. I think it's the, yeah. if, if, if it's not the smallest division one school, it is pretty dang close <laughs> where our, <laughs> I think like many high school campuses are bigger than, you know, my, my campus was. So it had a, a very similar feel where everyone was like a family and, and you know where everyone's going. Like, you know, when people are at practice, you can text everyone. The coaches are yeah. like parents. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, for 
was it ever for you like a little little daunting because um you know being at at a smaller school seeing when you're lining up against some of these you know larger universities because in track and field it's not like you only go against your schools you can be at huge meets with you know pretty large universities like did that ever phase you maybe earlier on in your career um when you're seeing these you know these schools like florida or whatever that might not have been like as you mentioned recruiting yeah um honestly no because i've always viewed myself as a as a competitor at the end of the day and it doesn't matter if your jersey says ashland or florida doesn't matter if it says ashland or ohio state Mm -hmm. or any other really big d1 schools to the end of the day all that matters is the time that possible at the end of possible on the board and my time might not be the top one but I'm going to run as hard as I can, work as hard as I can to get as close to you or beat you. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. If I, if I beat a D1 kid, awesome. If I lose to a D1 kid, we got stuff to work on. So I was never really phased by that, especially coming in as a freshman training with, at the time, one of the best sprinters in Division II history. Seeing Going against that every day, then you'll line up against some people and you're like, oh, well, I'm training with a guy that runs 45-6. Like, this is nothing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've just always been a hard competitor. Doesn't really matter the name because at the end of the day, all that matters is the time that possible on the board. We're going to line up in lanes and we're going to run a race and see what happens. It's a similar thing for me where my competitive drive, like is, I just, I have a high competitive drive as I'm sure a lot oh, yeah. of athletes do. Do you ever have difficulty like turning that off? Like after like, okay, you're done running. And then maybe it's like, oh, you're, you have to, it's like, Hey, someone's like, oh, let's go to the car and go to the store. And you like have to be the first one there. Like, do you ever have a difficulty or is it like, you know, it's pretty easy for you to stop being super competitive? Yeah. I wish I could say it was easy, easy to stop being competitive. I don't have anything happen when it comes like going to the car, but if we play any sort of game, it'll start super relaxed. And then as we go, I'll just get, get really intense and really into it. So like we'll do uh, team bonding in the fall when we can't meet with our coaches. So we'll, we'll play sand volleyball, capture the flag, ultimate Frisbee. And everyone knows by the time that they know me that the second we throw the ball up in the air, I'm locked in <laughs> And I'm trying to win. I'm trying to make sure my team wins. And I wish sometimes in those situations I could turn it off, but I'd rather not be able to turn it off than have problems turning it on. Yeah, it's it's a similar thing for me where I'll, I might be just playing video games like with my friend and like, it's like, oh, if we're playing what FIFA, 2K, whatever, like I'm just getting super mad. Like I oh, yeah. locked in They're like, Colin, it's just a game. And I'm like, no, it's not. I need to <laughs> win so much more. Oh yeah. It's like, it's like impossible to, to turn it off. It, it's, it's difficult. So, but yeah, better problem to always be a little bit more competitive than not competitive, yeah. especially as an athlete. Um, something that I thought was, I saw, I don't know if you did, but one, for those that don't know, the Bowerman is uh, essentially the Heisman of, of track and field uh, gives to the best track athlete. And I saw that you received actually uh, a few votes, like an honorable mention, and as like yeah. the only division two athlete there and uh, to put in perspective, like Grant Holloway's won it. Um, I yeah. think even Christian Coleman, like some big names. Did you notice like, Hey, you got some votes. And if so, did that, did that mean anything to you? Or is it just like, ah, it's just a, uh, you know, not that important. Um, it's a start. And I was definitely honored to receive votes because I know how prestigious of an award that is. And it's something my coach and I had just talked about a little bit. Um, if I'm being honest, I was a little hurt. I wasn't on the list 
Mm -hmm. The time the list came out, I was number two in the NCAA in the 60 hurdles and had the collegiate lead and was number three in the world in the 400. But obviously it's a huge honor to just receive votes at all to be on the waltz list for that award. But I was a little upset about it, but I mean, it's just fuel. We're just, we're just going to use it and keep getting after it. Yeah. I think that that's probably one of those where it's people don't know like, Oh, this, this guy, like, Oh, let's just give him a few votes. Cause we don't, you know, we don't, he's not a you know big name, which like you said, it's only going to make you run faster time. So it's like, yeah, for sure. Um, I know one, ah, whoops. <laughs> one thing that you had mentioned is that you really wanted to continue not only with the 110 hurdles, but the 400 hurdles as well. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that I don't, if I don't want to say no one's done, you know, going into, you know, the Olympics, but it's very, it's not very common. What could like, what is it that you think sets you apart to being able to do these distances where not only do you have to have the speed of a hundred meter runner endurance of a 400 meter, uh, 400 meter runner, but you also have to have the technique of, of a mm-hmm. hurdler. I mean, what's going to, you know, put you in the best position to be able to do, you know, both of those events at a high level. I think really just uh, faith, uh, faith in God, trust in myself, trust in my coaches, having the right mindset about it. I mean, if you look at it, it's been done a ton at the collegiate level. But here in Houston last year, he's a very high level 400 hurdler, 110 hurdler. And I'm pretty sure now he's mainly focusing on the 400 hurdles, as most people do at that point when they go pro, they choose one or the other. Um, and I very well might end up doing that, doing that too. But as of right now, I like to entertain the thought of doing both because nobody's really done it. So if nobody's done it yet or done it often, or at least recently, why can't I? Because I know I have the, I have the 400 speed clearly with the 45 two to be a high level 400 hurdler. I have the hurdle technique with a right now, 768 hoping to drop it. And we'll see how this outdoor season goes, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility this year for me to go low 13s, maybe 13-2, 13-3 range, and then in the 400 hurdles to be in that 47.48 ballpark. Mm-hmm. And if I do that this year at the collegiate level, why, why can't I? Why can't I sign with a sponsor and an agent? And then why can't I go do it at the highest level possible? So it's something that I'm definitely thinking about because I think it's something that can help set me apart from everyone else. Yeah. Um, it's don't take the, don't just do everything because other people are doing it. Like if, if exactly. you have the, yeah, if you have the ability to, to do something that people haven't done, yeah. Why not? Why not you? I mean, and, and this year it's, it's pretty huge year, obviously with, with the Olympics being pushed back uh, one season, it's now your, what your senior year at, at Ashland, right? Um, yeah. Senior year. So for you, what's like the, what are some of those goals that you're looking for with the remainder of 2021 that you're really like focused on and and trying to accomplish? Um, Right now, uh, just going from priorities and just moving down the list. Yeah. uh, We got our conference championships coming up. Want to perform well there. And then going into the national championships, I'm just trying to help score as many points for the team as I can to help defend our indoor national championship from two years ago now. Yeah. So we're still technically the defending indoor outdoor champs. So we want to hold down that title. And then when we get to outdoor, I'm looking, the goal is to break the D2 record in the 110 hurdles, which is 1337. Break 
record in the 400 hurdles, which is 48-48, win national championships in those respective events, help our 4 by 4 help our 4 by one bring home another, our outdoor title again, and defend that, and then carry that momentum into the Olympic trials and do what we can there and hopefully make a USA team. So it sounds like a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you word it pretty quick, it sounds like yeah. a lot. It's spread out over a couple months. Yeah. So it's not like you're, you're doing all of this over the course of a week. You, you got some time, right. but um, how do you then prioritize focusing on, you know, what you want to do? Cause you have so many goals. I mean, obviously Olympic team and then conference, your conference meet that's coming up in a few weeks, little, little bit different, you know, thing mm-hmm. that's going on there. How, how are you focused, making sure that you're, you're laser focused on this, you know, the, the upcoming meets that you have going on, but you're not losing sight of those goals that are, you know, a little bit farther down the line. Yeah. You just got to take it one day at a time. I mean, I have hurdle practice tomorrow morning. I've got little reminders. Like I have a whiteboard in my room with the overall goals on with the times. And I drew the Olympic rings on there. My phone background has my overall goal times on it. So I have little reminders here and there of the long-term goals and coach will remind me of it. But at the end of the day, we just take it one day at a time. You got to go brick by brick. If I don't focus on what I'm doing today, tomorrow, if I'm not focusing on in the moment, then what happens down the road doesn't matter because I'm focusing down there. You see it all the time in team sports. Teams will look past their current opponent and they'll lose. So if I don't, if I don't focus on here and now I'm being, a, being the best version of Trevor Bassett I can be as a sprinter, as a hurdler, as a teammate, and as a leader, then it doesn't matter what happens down the road if I can't execute what I have to do that day. That's like, I mean, perfectly put. I mean, I, I try to think of that same thing when – when I'm not just in track and field, that's, that's anywhere in life. Like whether yeah. you're, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a professional athlete, collegiate athlete, no matter what, what it is that you're doing, like m- make sure that you, you break up those major goals into the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the day that you have to do it. I mean, the, the cliche saying of Rome wasn't built in a day. It's like, it's super true. I mean, it, it doesn't yeah. matter <laughs> if you have Olympic aspirations, if you don't, you know, make sure that you show up every single day. I mean, for you, like, I guess like on a day-to-day basis, could you kind of break us down? Like, let's say tomorrow, like what, what does your yeah. day look like tomorrow from a, as a student athlete going from when you wake up to, you know, when you hit the pillow and go to bed? Yeah. So tomorrow is going to be a hurdle day for me. So I'll wake up at about 6.45. We'll have practice 7.30. I'm down in class from 9.30 to noon. After then, I grab some, grab a quick lunch, head to the trainers, do what I got to do, take care of my body, ice, uh, ice massage, stretch out. Then I'll normally go to our team's afternoon practice just to hang out, uh, help them with, help coach with anything he needs, help my my teammates out. Then we'll have lifting at about 5.30-ish, dinner after that, take care of any homework I need to then. And then normally, normally I'm in, normally I'm knocked out by about 10.30, so I'm not too much of a night owl. I just, I like to get my, I like to get my seven to nine hours and keep it moving. Awesome. Yeah. It's very important. Like make sure, yeah, you got all your, your stuff scheduled. Glad to hear that you're, you're helping out and not just being like focused on yourself, but as a team, I mean, it's clear that, you know, your team goals are just as important as, as what you're doing individually. Um, Like what are, I guess, going into 
the the rest of the rest of your season what would you say not including any of the things on the track because we know you got to work you know you got to put in the work you got to put in the effort what are some yeah. of those things off the track that you know you you need to focus on as a, a leader of your team or just as a, a hurdler to improve to be able to get to you know be in, in the opportunity to win a national championship both individually and you know as a as a team there you got to be smart and pay attention to details, especially with times like this. I myself as one of our captains, one of our leaders. I need to set the standard when it comes to hygiene, honestly, uh, wearing, wearing a mask six feet apart, washing your hands and just trying to avoiding situations where you could contract the virus, especially in times like this, as we're getting into championship season, being extra cautious, which even being extra cautious, extra cautious doesn't rule anything out but it's still putting yourself in a good chance to succeed. Taking care of my body off the track, going to the training room, because you can have a great workout Monday, but if your body's too beat up from Monday to work out Tuesday, it doesn't really matter. If you can't put together consecutive days of training, then it doesn't really matter. So taking care of your body, and you said it, student athlete, gotta take care of grades. You can run as, you can be the fastest man in the world, but if you're ineligible, you can't help your team out at all. So. Yeah. You, taking care of yourself with your mask, washing your hands, taking care of grades and taking care of your body, whether it's going to the trainer, eating right, getting sleep, not enough college athletes, I'd say probably get enough sleep. Sleep's a super underrated thing, but it's when your body recovers the most, when it repairs the most. So you really got to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. Three things that I kind of realized when I was, you know, as a student athlete that where areas of, of improvement to be kind uh, to say uh, would be making sure that you're stretching super easy to just not stretch because it's like, Oh, I, I run all the time. Like I'm, I'm always stretched. And then you get a hamstring issue and now you're out for, you know, yeah. or diet super easy to just go to the, the mess hall, get ch some chicken fingers, super easy to do that. And then like you mentioned, like grades, like, cause you are still a student athlete and, and staying on top of those. So yeah. Uh, you, you hit the nail right on the head. Those are some key important things for anyone. If you want to succeed and be a, a be an athlete, you gotta you gotta focus on those stuff, that stuff. Awesome. Like so, we're one thing that was interesting. I guess I want to get some insight from you. Um, with this year, it's so weird and strange. Uh, what was it? What has it been like competing? So take us into when you, you know when you guys are getting off the bus or, or leaving the hotel room. I know that you, you've had two different meets, I guess, where you're going to with your team. And then you've also had the meet, you know, with the American track league, where I guess you're going by yourself. Um, what were those two experiences like, you know, going to meets, you know, and, and competing there? Yeah. So going as a team has been a little different this year. A lot of places have different schedules where, for example, Youngstown state meet, uh, the girls sprints were in at this time, then the guys sprints, then throws, then jumps. So when we went in there, we had to drive ourselves because we couldn't get team transportation because people were coming and going constantly. Mm -hmm. And then you get there and it's just places empty. It's dead silent. There's no energy. The gun shoots off and half the time you don't even hear a sound of people cheering, which when you're running races over, for me, anything over 200 meters, I can kind of like hear what's going on around anything yeah. shorter, too locked in, but so if you're running a 400 or an 800 or anything long, you hear the gun shoot off and there's just no energy. And I know that's gotta be tough, but at the end of the day, 
it's you have to bring your own energy, bring your own electricity. And that's where the mental toughness comes into it. Uh, American Track League going by myself. I'd actually been to a meet by myself before when I went to USA Outdoors my sophomore year. My coach wasn't able to go because his wife had just given birth. So he had to stay back. So I went with my family. So they were shuttling me back and forth. So I'd been in a situation to be by myself before. And at the end of the day, that's just, it comes back to everything we talked about in the beginning, holding yourself accountable, being smart, doing the stretching routines we do, uh, getting some good nutrition, stretching out after the plane ride, getting sleep, and then going in and being focused, which for some people going to the American Track League is tough because you know it's going to be on ESPN. You're a race, you're seeing all these people you've seen on TV before. And I mean, I fell victim to it. You just end up, you end up looking at people a little bit during their warm, be like, holy cow. Like McLeod, he's, he's an Olympic champion, but at the end of the day, once it's time to warm up, once it's time to get focused, I was just able to lock in and just use that competitive nature to me being like, Oh, like he's not, he's just another guy. Like I'm just, I'm racing him. He's the enemy right now. Yeah. Like you're all at the line for a reason. Like if, yeah. if, if you weren't fast enough or you weren't good enough, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have been there and, and you ended up doing, doing really well and showing that, you know, deserve to be, you know, on that line. Um, well, Trevor, this has been been awesome. It's great learning about you and and hearing your journey for not only this year but years to come. I know we're definitely looking forward to to seeing what you're you're going to do with the rest of the season. If you've already put up you know some pretty big numbers this year um, early on, uh, where can could people go if they wanted to to follow you or, or learn more about you know what you're doing you know as a as a runner or just a person? Yeah, uh, my Instagram and Twitter are both the same. It's at Trevor Bassett thirty which I'm sure you'll have my name in the, uh, in the title. So there, they'll know how to spell it there, but yeah, at Trevor Bassett 30 for Instagram and Twitter. And then our school's sports accounts at go Ashland Eagles, which is spelled exactly how it sounds. But yeah, if you want to, if you want to follow me on there, message me for any questions you might have or want me to help you with anything, feel free. I do. I do what I can to respond to everyone. So happy to help people out. Awesome. Thank you, Trevor. It's been awesome. And thank you to everyone who's been listening. This has been another episode of Track World News. And before we go, make sure that you follow us on Instagram. If you want to see some more content, it is at Track World News. And also subscribe to the show. Uh, leave us a rating and, and give us a review. It really helps us know that you're enjoying what's going on. Well, thank you, everyone. Have a good one and peace. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.